Dr. Michael Hill, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Dr. Hill, tell me about this new drug. What is it exactly? Well, it's had a, it's had a number for a long time, just called NA1, but uh, it's pronounced norinotide, and it's a, um, it's a small molecule. It's a peptide. So in that way, it's actually more like a biological drug uh, rather than, say, a drug like aspirin or atorvastatin or one of the other common drugs that we use. And it's new and works in a new mechanism of action, an entirely novel development in, um, in neuroscience. When we're talking about stroke patients, just perhaps define exactly what happens in the brain. So in this case, we're talking about uh, ischemic stroke. There are two broad types of stroke. There's ischemic stroke in which an artery leading to the brain gets blocked, so the brain or a region of the brain is deprived of blood flow. And the second type of stroke is bleeding or hemorrhage uh, into the brain or around the brain. Um, now, now, importantly, ischemic stroke is much, much more common than, than hemorrhagic or bleeding types of stroke, so in a ratio of about 6 to 1. So 85% of all strokes are ischemic. So we're talking about ischemic stroke here where an artery gets blocked, uh, and that's what this this treatment is directed at. And then even within that group, um, we were focusing on a subset of the largest and worst kinds of ischemic stroke where a large vessel, a big, large artery gets blocked so that a large region of the brain is not receiving blood flow. And in a stroke, what happens is when a when a part of the brain is not getting any blood flow, it's, it's deprived of nutrients. So nutrients like oxygen and glucose and, and the things that the brain cells need to survive. And also the blood removes waste products like lactate and carbon dioxide and all of the things that the, the cells no longer need once they've, once they've done their job. So when you take away blood flow, the, that region of the brain starts to suffer and then a series of biochemical processes begin to occur, which ultimately lead to cell death. And that process of cell death takes many hours and sometimes sometimes even a day, but it all starts with getting a, a blood vessel occluded. So once somebody has been diagnosed with one of these particular types of uh, stroke, what, what is the typical treatment then? So typically the, the nature of stroke is that when an artery, you get a sudden blockage of a large artery, you know, the brain doesn't get any, any nutrients, and then it actually rapidly stops functioning. So you get immediate symptoms, paralysis on one side of the body, or you can't speak or you can't see, uh, for example, and that happens, that does happen quite quickly. So the, the symptoms are dramatic. Patients would come to hospital. Um, we make the diagnosis on the basis of the clinical examination and imaging, and Im- imaging of the brain is critical. And mostly we would use, most, most hospitals in, uh, in Canada would largely use CT-based imaging. So we do a CT and a CT angiogram to identify what the brain looks like and which artery is blocked. We would then, uh, in many cases, give a medicine called uh, Altaplase, which is a sort of a clot-busting medicine designed to, designed to break up the clot. And, and of course, if that works, that's terrific. Now, it turns out that with, when a very large artery is blocked, the efficacy of alteplase is much less. It doesn't, it doesn't work as well because the clot is so big. Um, and so we then proceed to a, 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 sur- a, a non-invasive surgical approach, right, which is called endovascular therapy. It's very similar to 
angioplasty and stenting in, in the coronary circulation when someone has a heart attack due to a blocked artery in the heart. The usual approach is to use a catheter, put it up into the arteries in the brain, and you're actually trying to remove the clot. So you're snaring the clot and pulling it out, uh, usually with a, usually with what's, what's called a retrievable stent. That would be the, the standard of care approach for this kind of stroke. And so then what we did in this, in this trial was we added, we're adding on to that standard of care by, by adding a new medicine. And that medicine is this peptide called norinotide. That was the basis of the overall study. What does this new drug do that wasn't done before to improve yeah. the results? Yeah, so, you know, a super important question. Um, so the, remember that I pointed out that the overall process here is that once the artery gets blocked, there's a series of biochemical processes which are sort of negative and, and lead to cell death that are initiated by blocking the artery. And so the first step um, in treatment that we've been focusing on the last maybe many years has been to open the blocked artery, get the blood flow back. And then we're now adding on adding a medicine which now interferes with the the negative side of those biochemical processes. So you open the blood vessel and you add in a, in a drug which blocks things like production of nitric oxide and, and free radicals that are, are that lead to the ultimate death of that of the tissue. So if we can block that, then we can save even more tissue. And uh, and then when the blood flows back, the um, the cells can recover. So even if you have removed the blood clot, there is still some damage ongoing for at least a little while before the the system gets circulating back to normal. Then. Yeah, absolutely correct. And we can demonstrate this with MRI imaging. If you do an MRI image after you've got the blood clot out, you've, you know, you've given, say you've given Alteplase and you have, um, and you have given, uh, done endovascular therapy and removed the clot, you do an MRI right away and then you do an MRI the next day and the next day's MRI shows even more damage. So there's clearly a uh, an ongoing process of damage, which which we, we we think we can interfere with, and we think we have shown that we can. But at this point, th- this is a new drug, and so it's not yet approved for general use. Correct? That's right. So we're likely that the general standard has been that we you have to do two tri- two trials to show that the drug is efficacious, so that you make sure the first result is not a chance finding. And so we think we're going to need to do another trial, and, and we're, we're actually getting prepared to do that. And if we can then sort of confirm the results and prove, prove them, um, even refine them, because we have, of course, learned a lot about the treatment and what we can do, and, and we'll make refinements to the, to the second study. And then we would likely have this potentially available to, to give to patients. I'm just wondering then, what is the difference in the, in the patient outcome without norinotide and someone who has received it. Right. So, you know, obviously really important, but the the effect was quite large, uh, Mark, only in the subgroup that did not get concurrent treatment with Alteplase, the clot-busting drug. And we think that in the the setting where you give Alteplase as well, the Alteplase neutralizes the effect of norinotide. So if we just take the 40% of patients who did not get Alteplase, they got the endovascular therapy, removed the clot, and they got norinotide. In that group, we saw quite a large effect. So it was um, the absolute uh, rate of improvement was was 9.5% greater in the norinotide group. It really literally could mean the difference between walking out of hospital and, you know, ending up in a nursing home long term. 
and we actually even saw a mortality benefit. So the number, the, the proportion of patients who actually ultimately died in hospital was 7.5% less in the norinotide group. So surprisingly, like I, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't expect that the effect would be this big. Does this not pose a bit of a conundrum for, for doctors such as yourself, for example? When a patient comes in, do you give them alteplase or do you give them norinotide because right. one, one might yeah. cancel the other kind of thing? Well, yes, it potentially could. But I think in, in many ways, you know, Mark, it's kind of a good question to have, a good problem to have. You know, it's the, it's do I give this good drug or do I give that good drug? And, and uh, we'll have, to, you know, we'll have to work on settling, settling out how, what, what's the best approach. But it's, the, it's not a bad problem to have when you've got two potential therapies which are, which are useful. But I suspect that we'll be able to tease it out, that certain types of patients in certain situations will benefit from one type of approach, and in another situation, they'll benefit from another approach. You know, a good example in our country, in Canada, is that we, we have a big geographic expanse, and patients who are at an at a outlying hospital, maybe they're two hours away from, you know, from potentially to an endovascular center, one of the big tertiary hospitals in the country. So for that situation, it's much better that they get all to place in the primary hospital and then get shipped in and they, they don't get the neurinotide. So, so fine, right? You know, um, uh, but if maybe if they present directly, you know, where I am or maybe in Montreal, if they present directly to Shum, right? And the team is right there and they're already in the, and the, the, and the neuro, neuroangio suite is ready to go and they can immediately go there. Maybe they, they forego uh, giving alteplase and they give neurinotide instead. But once again, it's the way to think about it in my view at this point is it's a good problem to have. I'm just wondering, doctor, because of the qualities of norinotide, could it be useful in other types of medical situations if it's sort of protecting cells from dying or something? Yeah, you know, again, a great question. And I think the the first thing to say is that it's very new. So the degree of, of available research on, on other um, uh, types of conditions, uh, you know, is, is not widespread. However, I can tell you that it looks like in the lab, so in, in the animal experiments and, and preclinical experiments, that this drug could be useful in trauma, so car accidents with head injury, concussion, that kind of thing. The military have been looking at it for um, penetrating injury, so bullet wounds to the head and that kind of thing. This drug potentially has use in, in stroke recovery. It has potential use in Alzheimer's disease. And so there are a number of... Um, a number of possible avenues where this this um, development opens up a new, a whole new area of of potential therapeutics in neuroscience. But absolutely, because because this is working on this is all working on a fundamental mechanism of cell death, which is not unique to stroke. Dr. Michael Hill, thank you very much for this. Pleasure. Thanks, Mark.